Real JP Multimedia, proud sponsor of the Nerdball Podcast. Here to help you with all things audio, video, graphics, photo, web design. From weddings to real estate, commercial business to private use, we offer a big variety of services for almost any budget. And if we can't do it, we will find someone who can. Find us at realjp.com. That's R-E-E-L-J-P.com. Real JP Multimedia. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith, and this is the Nerdball Podcast. This is the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. Nailed it, Kevin. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Well, thanks for having me. Good to see you, and yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, we've uh, we we worked together for like what six or five or six years, something yeah, like that. Probably closer to six. Um, and whenever uh, whenever I talk to or ask people to come on, especially my friends, like come on the podcast or whatever, they they never know what you're talking what to talk about. Sure, uh, because. I don't think people find themselves interesting. Not at all. No, but other people do, and uh, that's why I want you, want you to come on. Also, this podcast started. Most people know me and Andrew, another guy we worked with. Yeah, where we would just talk in the lunchroom, and you even mentioned like you know you were part of that too. Like we should, you should guys should like have a podcast or like you guys are always talking about all these things. You should do something. So you were kind of a a push. There's always like an extra thing that's needed, and you were kind of pushed for us to get started. And now, two years later, almost over two years later, this is where it's at, and and now you're on. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't drag my feet, but maybe I dragged my feet because of those anxieties you described earlier. Yeah. No one. We say we don't want to talk about ourselves, and then next thing, next thing we know, we talk about ourselves <laughs> happily. But that's just the nature of you know people. When they're uh, when someone's telling them a story about something that happened, their their just instinct is to also say something similar that happened to them. You yeah, know? you're just trying to relate, and that's just what happens, you know. And and that's that's where you get like like you said, you eventually start talking about yourself, you know. And it's just <laughs> it's just how how it works. Um, but I think just based on I mean, we we work together. We every lunch was you know should have been a half hour, but we were usually sitting there for forty five minutes or an hour, right, you right. know. And you just you can't not talk about personal stuff and not even like super personal stuff, but just like base level, like where you grew up and what you did and this, this the traveling you did and all this kind of stuff. So like, as I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I want to have Kevin on because you do have a lot of interesting things. I mean, you've talked that you've talked about uh, that being, you know, we usually start at the beginning and where you grew up and you grew up on a farm, right? On a farm, no animals farm, um, you know, which is pretty common around here. It's it's what I would call like a crop farm. Mm-hmm. You know, corn, sweet corn, potatoes were a a big crop that uh, my grandfather and his brother started with. That That's was, the one I remember you always talking about. Yeah. And they geared the farm towards that. So storing potatoes over the winter, you harvest all summer, but then you harvest in the fall and you store those. And they they built these barns with with massive like earthworks. <laughs> pushed up to this to the roof of these barns yeah basically creating a cellar oh and a basement okay. yeah um so that way you don't have the temperature fluctuations and the potatoes store better and in fact just recently i'm gonna um, get in touch with some relatives because there's some old pictures of those potatoes piled high mm-hmm. i mean literally 
two stories of potatoes or more. That probably doesn't sound like much, but it's That's more impressive. Of, yeah, it's a lot of potatoes when you're standing there, and um, especially as a kid. As a kid, you know, you're kind of half tired of having to work that Saturday, and you know, uh, wondering what went on with the college football, and thinking all your buddies are having the best time ever, and they're just bored at home. But you're working on the farm, and um, in hindsight, what a what a wonderful good experience. Mm-hmm. You know, working with older people, work. You know, you just you're working with all sorts of people at a young age, and um, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Did you grow up here, around here, or was that somewhere else? Yep, just north of uh, north of Toledo in Erie, Michigan. Okay, me and my brother were born in uh, Minneapolis. That, I thought you were something about Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, so we were initially like Vikings fans and Twins fans, and and you know, just as far as sports fandom. Um, over time, I kind of became like a Detroit Lions fan, which was not a smart life decision. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst team ever. But um, how long were you in Minnesota for then? Oh, I think I was in uh, around first grade. Okay, so I was, I was young, but yeah. I, there's some memories of it. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a pretty easy move to make when you're just a kid. Yeah. Is that does that farm and stuff still exist out there? That was in the city. My dad was a banker. Oh, so he was he was done with farm life. Yeah, he went to he went to Michigan State okay. and um, got into accounting. Uh-huh. Has his master's in accounting, but he worked for a bank that served farms. Oh, okay, okay. Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa they they would you know do loans and stuff for farmers. Yeah, so it was very agricultural centric banking. Mm-hmm. But he was a banker. Yeah, and probably like a lot of people that were born and raised on farms realized yeah maybe maybe office life isn't isn't quite for him yeah so then they moved um he and my mom moved us back to michigan to the farm okay and so you um so then they did they did he continue to be a banker then there or just nope farming then? just farming back in michigan wow okay mm-hmm. he um so my grandfather uh gus and then his brother wilbur um man if those aren't old names <laughs> i know uh <laughs> They um, they created the farm, Smith Brothers. Okay. And then uh, my dad and his two cousins, Wilbur's two sons, you know, were the next generation to t- take it over. All right. And and is that something going on now still? So kind of a third generation, um, my cousin Ray, who he has time in the winter to, to do some stuff he enjoys. We enjoy going skiing and snowboarding and that type of thing. So he's he he's good in um, taking advantage of his winter time but yeah he takes he's taken over the farm and i'm glad to see it i'm i'm happy it's still a a working farm yeah farming is like it's like a mom and pop hardware store they're they're fewer and fewer because larger the equipment is so expensive yeah land is getting more expensive and so kind of larger i don't want to say corporate farms but just larger entities are mm-hmm. are you know, doing more and more of the farming. Was that something like growing up on a farm? Was that like, as I'm assuming as a kid or maybe even in the high school, you're like, well, I guess this is what I'm going to do. For no way. No, you knew right away. Like you <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't. <laughs> uh, so where, where we're at, you know, there's a, uh, a lot of factory work. Okay. And, um, you know, as you know, a lot of, a lot of your friends, their dads work for Ford or GM. And I knew they made more money than my dad. Yeah, as a farmer, 
And I saw how much he worked in the in the season. Mm-hmm. Wintertime, it was like normal, normal person workload. But there weren't vacations and stuff in the summer. And it's not like we even thought about taking vacations. There wasn't time. Yeah. It just wasn't it's it's not like it's not like we didn't know where our dad was. He was working. Yeah. And uh, you know, my mom worked full time and so at a, I was a teenager and it's it's affected what I'm doing today and not in a bad way, but I knew I didn't want to work that many hours. Yeah. Um you you I guess farming, you know, it's all in and 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 that's the life and that's that's fine. Um I don't know. It having to work on the farm as a kid and a teenager, I was like, I don't want to work this much. When I think most parents and I would maybe Maybe your dad's like this too. Like if you would, most parents are like, I want my kids to do better than I did, or I want my kids to have a better life, regardless of what that life looked like. It, I mean, you could have had, I mean, the best life. I never heard you complain about being, you know, being a kid growing up on farm besides the hard work. But I know for me, my dad, like I knew, I saw my dad working in the factory and I'm like, I know I don't want to do that. You yeah. Know? But he had, my dad had to. Sure. You know? yeah. And I mean, the living it afforded, so many people in this region. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you argue with it? Correct. Especially if you've got a family. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, and I don't, I don't mean to put a bad light on it. Um, What's just your experience? Yeah, it was just, it was just a lot of time, and 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 you're right. I, I, I didn't mind it doing it. You know, I was paid agricultural wages, not much, as a teenager. <laughs> But that money, I, you know, I bought my drum set on my own as yeah. like a fourteen-year-old, mm-hmm. and that's not cheap. But um, so yeah, it, it afforded a lot of very good experiences uh, for you know for a young kid, and and anyone that's grown up like that wonders how do they do instill that mm-hmm. with their children? Yeah, and um, uh, it's tricky unless you're probably working on a farm. Well, you said too, like you notice like, Hey, I don't want to work all those hours. Like my, my dad's working those hours and uh, same thing for me. My dad worked a lot and it's, there's been a huge shift I noticed and, and older people don't like it or some don't, but people, and I talked to my friend about like, cause I would tell, I would ask kids, uh, seniors like, Hey, what are you doing after school? What are you, or high school? Are you going to college? You're doing this, doing that. And he goes, something better that I've learned is what kind of lifestyle do you want to have? What right. kind of what are you looking for, and then that kind of lends itself to like what you want, to, what you can do or want to do, and that's kind of this now because you you explain, I don't want those hours, right? And I don't I don't want to be gone all that time, and that's the same thing for me. I have more important things outside of work that right. I want to do. Right. So what jobs help me be able to do those things? I think that's a that's a really good way to try mm-hmm. to get a younger person to to look at it. Um. Because when you're young, things are provided for you, mm-hmm. and you don't know how hard it is to, you know, maybe have those things provided. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if you want, you want a lake house, then, um, you know, these are the things you have to do. Right. <laughs> maybe. It, it isn't just given. Yeah. You know? Or uh, maybe, maybe it is like, if you want a lake house, when we die, is you gonna... <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you can have this lake house. So. No, that's a good way to, um, uh, you know, to to try to encourage a young person to approach it. And I, I guess I've been thinking is, you know, some they talk about do what you love, do what you love. Mm-hmm. 
And I think I think some of that is that can still be a really large um, ballpark. You know, yeah. the do what you love. Maybe it's you like to work with your hands. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things you can do, or you know, maybe you you do like numbers and and that's easy for you. Okay, well, the you know, like it doesn't have to be a specific what you love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can enjoy your day well enough, do really well at your job. If there's aspects that fit your personality, mm-hmm. part of that is this job is 40 to 50 hours a week instead of, you know, 70 hours a yeah. week. If, if that's your personality, then that's, that's what you want to look for. And that's, uh, like to me, that, like I said, that's important to me. Like I, I want to be able to do all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like what I'm doing and it makes it a lot easier to go to work. Right, but it makes all that stuff a lot easier. Makes you better a little bit, maybe. Sure, you yeah. Know, kind yeah. of uh, less is more, so I'm gonna be all in. Mm-hmm. Oh, for, yeah. Like if I'm working sixty hours, some of those hours aren't gonna be good, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, when was the last time you worked on the farm? Like had to help do something, or maybe even I don't know. Maybe it was like a full season, or I don't know. Sure. Uh, Probably the the full more full time would be eighteen years old mm-hmm. after graduating high school, uh, and in my twenties, my dad um, still kind of had a, a fruit stand, super busy for you know a few months out of the summer. Mm-hmm. But he had stepped away from the farm a bit by that point. Um, so in my twenties, I, I helped him with that a little bit. But probably I was eighteen years old after high school. Uh, it's I can remember. I think my first kind of full time. I was probably 11 years old because I was getting paid a dollar an hour and <laughs> my, my paychecks. Uh, I think like my biggest paycheck was going to be like, it's every two weeks and it was going to be like $76. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they could do that because it's agriculture. Okay. If you're under, if you were under 16, you didn't have to make minimum wage. Yeah. So. Man, that, <laughs> I don't even know what kind of wage that qualifies as. Dirty. <laughs> Ch- you're my child wage. Here's here's what I'm. De- here's you could do. I could make you do this for free, but I'm gonna pay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're getting a dollar an hour. It's like Napoleon Dynamite when he's working on the. I think they're, they're doing something with chickens. I can't remember what they're doing, and then he gets his check at the end of the day. He goes, "It's like a dollar an hour." <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that happened. Yeah. Well, that uh, that. You're farming or, or being part of that farm, like you've talked about at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. you were glad that that happened, and you knew shortly that this isn't for me. So when did you know, like, like this is what I want to do? Like, I want to go to school for this, or I want to do this after high school. Oh, it, it took a it took a couple years yeah. after high school. I didn't really know. I mean, okay, I enjoyed history, but the idea of being a teacher didn't didn't seem like an avenue. Yeah. And, um, well, I, I like working outside. I like an element of labor. Sure. Um, and that traces back to the farm. So that led me into landscaping. And, um, you know, the idea was trying to, to do well with that, go to school for it, uh, learn, you know, don't just mow lawn, but mm-hmm. learn plants and, and things like that. And I, I truly enjoyed it. What I found as years went on is, oh, no. I'm working the same hours as a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% true. <laughs> so 
I didn't, I didn't uh, see that coming, um, but uh, I did eventually. But I guess that lends to the fact that you really liked what you were doing. Yeah, I did. I, I, I did. I, yeah. I liked it. <laughs> um, when you were, uh, did you do any of that stuff when you were in high school, like landscaping or? Oh no, nothing. No, no, no. It was summers you worked Just and played and yeah. In the in the. You know, that's the thing. Like I, I act like I worked all the time. It was just a summer. Yeah, yeah. During yeah. school, it was school and normal sports. Yeah. I say, did you, so you had time for sports and all that stuff. What, oh, yeah. What did, you, what did you do in high school? Uh, swam and played baseball. Okay. Right. Swimming is hard. It's hard. I, I help my friend coach our high school swim team. It's a hard sport. It's, yeah. it's practice. As you know, with track, mm-hmm. like practices are hard work. Um, so when baseball came around, I was happy to catch fly balls in the outfield. <laughs> I always, uh, I always, I talked to our our head baseball coach at Perrysburg. Uh, he coached me in football, and I didn't play baseball in high school. But um, I uh, I talked to him about kids not coming out to play football and they want to do baseball or basketball. And I told, I was like, Coach Hall, no offense, baseball is a lot easier than football. He goes, I, I agree. He goes, oh, yeah. I was like, he goes, that's why kids don't want to play. There's a lot of work for football. And it'd be one thing if it's like, okay, all these kids are doing all, all this work because they play, and these kids don't play, so they don't, don't do as much work. No, everyone does the same amount of work. Right. You just, some play and some don't, and some kids don't want to be part of that. You know, I didn't think about that. Um, with swimming, everyone plays. Yeah. Uh, you may not Like track, finish. Too, yeah. yeah, like track. Yep. You may not finish as high as, as others, but you're at the meet, and you get to compete. Yep. I didn't think about that with football. You're working just as hard, or basketball. Yeah. Now, the good thing is they still get their games, right? They, JV still gets JV games, but it, no juniors want to play JV. They want right. to be on the varsity. Right. So that's always a struggle at the beginning of the season when we're making determination on who's going to be G, JV and who's going to be varsity. And then those juniors, I always ha- have a conversation with them saying, I understand you guys don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to be varsity, and you want to be varsity. Mm-hmm. But here's where we're at, and here's you got to make the best of it. And as you progress and get better, there's gonna there, maybe there's opportunities for you on the varsity. So that's always hard because, because I can see the look in her eyes like, oh, I, I don't want to be on here on Saturday morning. Right. And they sh- do they show it? Yeah, they show it before the game. They're you know doing whatever they're doing. But then once the game starts, it's, it's football and they're in it. Yeah. You know? And those juniors usually become the leaders and you know, help out, help out the team. So. so you see it over the course of a season. Oh, yeah. You kind of see some growth. Yeah. And some of those kids, sophomores or juniors, they play enough to be on varsity. You know, we had a kid, he was a mm-hmm. sophomore. We had a kid, lineman, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. He played the first two JV games, and then there was a couple injuries, so he had to play on a Friday night a, a little bit, and then they were like, oh, man, this kid can play. And then he had to be in the starter for the defensive line for the rest of the season. Wow. So it just, you got to take the most of your opportunity. You got to do well at the JV level, and then when you do get, t- if you do get an opportunity, you got to, you know, get the most of it. But that goes back to everyone's got to do the same thing, work hard, do all the stuff. So you got to be a part of that too. Yeah, and it and it helps. Yeah, I'm sure it helps to have a coach that's aware of that. And mm-hmm. like you said, you were, and not just a, you know, a, you know, a hard coach. You're on JV. Get with the program. Let's Get with go. the program. Yeah. Do what's best for for me. <laughs> and it's not surprising that you tried to enlighten mm-hmm. enlighten the kid this way or that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just let me say for the viewers. I was impressed with Lorenzo coaching when I, you know, worked with you. Like, oh, geez, why would you want to be around teenagers <laughs> voluntarily? Yeah. And uh, and then my friend takes on a head coaching role for our old swim team, and 
he's busy. He knew he would need a hand and he reached out to myself and another, uh, another guy. And, um, I was apprehensive at first and, uh, but the kids are great Mm -hmm. and being able to try to relate a little bit, you know, of, of wisdom, we'll call it is, is fun and a challenge. And, um, anyways, I leaned on Lorenzo early on in our coaching. Now, those conversations were really fun. I enjoyed those conversations. Yeah, it was like I, I knew you to be thoughtful and um, experienced mm-hmm. with with coaching and, and your way you went about it. So I told my friend, the head coach, like, hey, let me call Lorenzo. Let's see how he would handle this <laughs> situation. Let me so, call his football coach and talk about swimming. But it's all yeah. the same. Coaching is coaching. Yeah. No matter what it is, yeah, it's high know. school sport. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not life or death. Um, yeah. And so, as a coach, you don't want to approach it like that. Yeah, know? yeah. It was fun though because you, it was a lot of things that I, I, I mean, I thought of, um, I thought of like, hey, how do we, how, I've never had someone explain or ask me a question about coaching as much as you. You know, asked about that. <laughs> that shows how clueless I was. <laughs> but but it's good because you don't think that you're right over there, man. I was. This is in my sight line, and oh, it's it's so hard. Like I was able to get this one okay, and then I was messing with that one, and I could not get it to do the same exact thing. I'm sorry so, for those of you no. listening at home. <laughs> no, you're. If you hear metal on metal. I'm, I'm messing with the uh, screen in front of the microphone. <laughs> it's all good, and it's one of those things. Once you start, you've made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Well. Uh, going back to coaching, like I obviously you're a new coach, and I knew that. Um, it's not; it wasn't a secret. So, like, if I can help other people, like my goal is to help kids. So, if I can help you help kids, then it's all the same. Well, you know, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, my friend appreciated it, and I, I guess I knew that about you, mm-hmm. and that's why it's like it was easy to call you. Yeah, scoot a little closer there. Now you're just messing everything up. <laughs> okay. Is this a little better? Yeah, you can scoot it up though. Just like you got quiet the uh, microphone. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> folks, so much bear fun. with. No, you're good. You're good. There we go. Now I'm eating this. I should have left it the way it was. <laughs> now you're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but afterward, I will make sure to go attack it and see if I can uh, figure it out. So you'll help the next guests. <laughs> sure. Uh, so what? Do you go? To, you went to Michigan State. No, no, I, I didn't. Forget. I, I didn't. forget. You just like Michigan State. A yeah, lot. so, right. and especially coming up in the 80s, we were in the minority. Oh, yeah, everyone loved Michigan. Everyone loved Michigan. Yeah. Um, so, and and so uh, my dad, you know, he's, he's a sports fan, and, and he had season tickets when we were growing up. Okay. And um, we never seemed to make it to the, like, Michigan games or Ohio State games. We were at the Indiana. Oh, yeah. Not so good. But yeah. It was cool. I think he had three tickets, me and my older brother and my dad. Um, so it was how we spent Saturdays in the fall. Mm-hmm. Is it j- just you and your brother? And my older sister. Okay. All right. Sister, brother, me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're the baby. Yep. Yep. Do you still get uh, treated as such? Are you guys old adults enough? Because my sister, she's 30, and she's still kind of like the baby and gets treated sometimes. Not a lot anymore, but... Probably, but she would say no, and I would say no, but probably so. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so you would. Uh, so where did you? Where? What did you do after high school then? So after high school, I I went to Central Michigan for a couple years, but it's like, what was I studying? And and that's where I sort of found 
those traces back to the farm. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I like to work outside. I like to, you know, do some work. Yeah. And um, and that felt good. It it took me a couple years to to realize that, which is another thing I I try to stress to some of the kids that I help coach is you don't have to know exactly what you're gonna do when you're 18 years old. Yeah. Try to be productive and thoughtful about it, but don't. You don't have to know exactly. And once I found, once I started working in landscaping and learning about it, then I really enjoyed it. I was like, okay, no problem. Yeah. Did you have like a your own own business, or did you? No, I wor- I worked for a small company that um, installed landscapes. Uh, you know, we didn't do any mowing or snow plowing or anything like that. But okay. Working with trees and shrubs and some flowers and stuff. Yeah. Did you ever go to school for anything? For any of that stuff? Yes. I don't, cause I, I don't, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember. I'm not just being like, hey, viewers, I know all about this guy. I, I went to Owens. They, I think okay, they, they right. still have a good program. They had a yeah. good program. Um, Chris Foley was the main instructor and did a really good job yeah. teaching us uh, landscaping. I really enjoyed it. And he was there. Uh, and then I had, at the time, there was another, another teacher there who was um, on this podcast too, Matt. He was there, Matt Ross. And they both like... It's one thing, just I, I'm a teacher. Here's the stuff. Learn it. Get a degree. Cool. I'll help you get a job, maybe. You know. But they like really loved what they were doing. Like not just the teaching part of it. They like they love that, but like doing it themselves. Like Foley had a, a nursery, right? You know, and and Matt Ross was always out, and he was designed like he ran did the design class, and like you could just like feel how much they loved talking about what they were doing, and it just made like for me, it made me like want to want to do it. Or like one like man, he they love this so much. Like I want to do that too. I agree. I agree. Um, I didn't have I didn't have Matt mm-hmm. uh, when I went through, but um, yeah, there was a yeah, just just a genuine interest, and they were they were you know interested in the field and yeah. and and all that comes with it. So no, it was it was a very good little program. Yeah, um, hopefully, because every time I talk to Foley, I see him at the they have a plant sale, Owens plant sale every year, and I go mm-hmm. there and buy some plants and. It's every year. It's like ah, oh, I don't know if we're gonna have enough students. You know, they might cut the program, cut the program. It hasn't happened yet, uh, but it's especially if you if you enjoy just being outside because that was one thing for me is like I just don't want to be inside, right? You know, um, if you enjoy being outside and and want to know like if even if you have a home garden or you like doing stuff around your yard in your own beds and stuff like just to get all that knowledge of things and then there's so many opportunities people don't under realize like. Well, I'm taking. I'm going to Owens for landscape turf grass management. I'm just going to own my own lawn mowing business or whatever. Right. But there's so like now I'm I work for the Metro Parks. You yep. know, there's there's so many different things to do. And I'll tell you what. Once I found because like you will go back to when you got your landscape job. You're like I'm working these same farmer hours. You know. And once I found a job, like wait, I can do this job and only work 40 hours a week. Like yes, si- sign me up. And that's what I've had for the past you know, almost 15 years now, like absolutely this job. And obviously there's going to be times where you have to come in early, snow, snow plow and that kind of stuff. But for the majority of the time I'm working 40 hours, I'm getting home doing stuff. Ab- absolutely. And, and, and that was like, that was later on co- sort of in my career, you know, responsibilities grew as mm-hmm. a designer or whatever. And that's really when it was like, then I was working the hours that yeah. my dad is the owner of the farm was kind of working. So you're like, wait a minute. It wasn't initially. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise I wouldn't have stuck around. That and and that's uh, one of the things I remember when you first came to UT. You talked about your your old job and all the designing and stuff you did. How much did you like? How much did you like that? And was there a point where you're like, I don't, 
I don't really like to do this anymore. Or do you still like it? Uh, I appreciate, I appreciate design. Yeah. And I worked with a wonderful designer, Cindy. Um, but actually going back to Owens, one of the first classes, Chris Foley, you know, is like, you know, everyone's new in this program, landscape mm -hmm. program. And he's like, who here wants to be a designer? And nearly everybody raised their hand <laughs> except me. Oh, really? Which I ended up being <laughs> one. And uh, so it was so obvious that everyone was raising their hands except me that it caught his attention. Yeah. And he's like, what do you want to do? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I just, I'd rather work with it. Yeah. Which is the uh, type of job you just described mm -hmm. where, you know, there's still intelligence and thoughtfulness, but you're maintaining um, a landscape. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so campus settings are very good for that, you know, whether it's a business campus, university, zoo, yeah. museum, whatever. Um, and even back then, I knew, I knew I'd rather sort of, you know, do it intelligently, but keep my hands on it. Yeah. Designing, you know, you're sitting at a table with a pen and paper. It's so... It's so cool, like people who can design, and like now it's all a lot of on computers and everything. But to see like drawings that people do, it's it's really cool. And um, even just taking that class and learning how to like do symbols and mm -hmm. measure and all this stuff, like it's such a good skill. Um, do you? Does anybody? I mean, everyone knows you used to do that. Do you still have any any time where you do do that, or, or is that just? Uh, I mean, I, I could, but I, I kind of shut that down. Um, you know, it just, uh, again, I wasn't trying to do side jobs and, yeah. um, so that, that opportunity could be there, but <laughs> speaking of side jobs, one of my favorite things is when, uh, cause this was towards probably the last two or three years when I was there and, um, there was a time where you would work and then you'd have side jobs or you'd, you'd mm -hmm. work at this other place or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, and then like year after year, like, all right, well, this is going to be my last year. And then you do it again. You're like, well, this is going to be my last year. And then you end up like splitting firewood or something. I'm like, man, <laughs> right. you just, you just can't get away from these side jobs. Right. I mean, some of that was, uh, probably rain in some spending and you could more easily not do side jobs. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I wasn't going into debt, but maybe I was enjoying. Well, that, that was the thing we would talk about, too. We would always talk about uh, um, budgeting. Because I remember we yeah, were talking yeah. about, like, uh, the You Need a Budget app and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when when I, like, can talk to somebody about those things, it, like, solidifies, like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because, <laughs> like, I you don't know. I don't know what's happening. Or this app is good or this app isn't. Or, right. You know, we would compare, like, well, this is how I do it or this is how you do it or whatever. Right. But having, like, somebody else to, like, bounce ideas off of or whatever. And that's that lunchtime chatter you yeah. talked about. And... Like you say, you get to know somebody, you you know, you work with them for years, but yeah, some some people you get to know better than others, and some people you end up talking about budgeting apps yeah. with. <laughs> I think I think no one would be like, that's what you guys talked about? It was either that or what, you watched you watched me watch TV. Or yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like what crazy, what crazy stuff is he seeing? And I actually just referenced um, something that you – had shown me on uh, the computer. It was actually just a couple of weeks ago where those airport scan things were new. And um, they kind of took like a skeletal picture oh, of somebody. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, geez, look at this one. This one's crazy. 
And uh, so, yeah, I, I, something came along where I actually referenced that. And, um, lunchtime. Yeah, lunchtime. <laughs> um, one thing I, I want, and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, we can cut it out. Um, it, was, it, brought up, it was brought up several times when we were at work, because like I said, we talk about personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you going through cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I mean, at first, like we, we would say, you know, we'd talk about it, and then nothing would happen, and then. I never, I don't remember ever, because we only have a short amount of time. It's not like you're going to tell me your life story of this, how I went through cancer. Sure. Um, I, a, I don't remember, um, and it's just me being forgetful and a bad friend. I don't remember what kind of cancer you had. And like, even like going through it. I mean, if you don't mind talking about I it. I don't mind at all. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, A, I think it's important that uh, people come on here and want to be comfortable with whatever they're talking about. But also I think, for people who hear this, just to see how different people are, or how they go through things, or to know that you had cancer and beat it and went through all this stuff. Yeah, thankfully, that's like 20 years ago, Yeah, amazingly. Um, so I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you, I don't know if it's still prevalent, but team and training was like a, a fundraiser for um, leukemia and lymphoma. People would train and run marathons okay. and, and kind of raise money. My sister did that. She trained and ran a marathon. She raised so much money. She was going to run in Chicago, but she had an injury in training. They're like, well, you you raised enough money. There's one in Honolulu. Oh, really? <laughs> so she did that, and then uh, myself and my brother went out there, and, um, yeah, that was awesome of her to do. And uh, so I was 20, 21, 22 okay. when I was initially – diagnosed with Hodgkin's and thankfully in hindsight um, a couple things so lymphoma it's lymph nodes you have lymph nodes I think in your chest and and mine were around my neck Mm -hmm. so my cancer presented itself as like what I thought was like oh geez my that's like a swollen gland yeah just a a bit of you know just something swollen and a lot of times those get swollen when you're sick too they oh. can be swollen because i know as a kid or when we had our kids go to the doctor like they always feel and they're like yeah his glands are a little swollen or whatever you know oh, okay. so that you know for me hearing that as an especially as a new parent like well is, is it is it just like how serious just, yeah, yeah yeah well if if your child is maybe 22 years old yeah. and has that then maybe it is serious yeah and and it showed up um kind of close to uh, my Adam's apple, like a, a, one side of my neck was a bit swollen one morning. And again, I'm 22. I, you know, there's concerns of a 22-year-old. <laughs> and, and your neck being swollen. Is- cancer diagnosis is not one of them. Yeah. And, um, and so this was the decision process. Whoa, my neck's kind of swollen. It's kind of close to, you know, my Adam's apple. Um swallowing like oh what's what's gonna happen tomorrow morning am i gonna am i gonna choke or something uh and i have health insurance oh okay i was gonna ask you that so i'm gonna make an appointment with the doctor yeah you take away that health insurance thought i'm probably not sitting here today sure because you're 22 and i felt fine aside from this swollen gland or what that's what i was calling it yeah you take away that health insurance thought and i delay because I felt fine, and I would have delayed, and it would have spread. Yeah. So, that's that's a challenge. Um, that's that's a challenge in our country, and that was a huge factor in me going to the doctor. 
yeah. is having health insurance. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, even I mean, it's now, and people are just like, "Well, th- yeah, my arm hurts a little bit, but I'm not going to go spend a lot of money. I'm fine. I could still do what I got to do." And like you said, you put it off, put it off, put it off. You finally go. You're like, "Well, now it's all over." Yeah, and admittedly, my life shaped my um, thoughts and opinions on things. But I hear people, "I never go to the doctor. I never go to the doctor," and I get it. But a general doctor, general practitioner, mm-hmm. basically saved my life yeah. in that I walked in, I, I made an appointment, I had never been to this doctor, they were in the network, yep, and got me in, she knew what she was looking at um, within a few minutes. I didn't know. I said, did she tell you anything? At the end of the appointment, because she was starting to schedule like an ultrasound. Got it. And um, at the end of the appointment, she had another doctor come in and look, and I was just an oblivious, again, Man, 20, I would like, I would have thought, like, oh, now the doctor's coming. This is serious. <laughs> That's what I was clueless. Yeah. No, I, oh, wow, I'm a specimen. Yeah. <laughs> Put me in your books. <laughs> yeah. And um, thankfully to her, she, she you know, again, because it was like uh, the criteria – early 20s, um, presented in the lymph nodes. Mm. Um, it, it was it was checking boxes for either Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's type, maybe a leukemia or something like that. Yeah. So after, so they tell you there, like this is what we think, or this is what we think and we're going to go see if, it, we're going to do these other things, see if that confirms. Yeah, it's always very, you know, look, it might be bad news. Yeah. But it's probably not. <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, she and the other doctor know this is badness. Yeah, and so we're yeah. going to schedule this thing. So how did you feel then? Do you remember how you felt after that? Like thinking like they're telling you it could be bad. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I coming out of that appointment, um, I felt fine. Okay, it's that's out of left field. My grandfather dealt with cancer, um, and that was my experience with cancer was. An old man, yeah, and seeing the poor kids on the Ronald McDonald commercials, yeah, yeah. I was a healthy twenty-two year old. Mm-hmm. It's not. I'm not worried. I did get worried. I was asking you when. When did that yeah, happen? Yeah, it was yeah. a very real thing, man. It. Um, so she, the general practitioner, scheduled like an ultrasound, and I go to this uh, hospital, this appointment, and uh, this gentleman was doing the ultrasound, and pleasant as can be, mm-hmm. like. He did. He was completely professional. Great. But there was, I had this vibe that like he was too nice, mm. and he was seeing what I, you know, he was seeing something serious. Yeah. And it was nothing he said or did. It was the strangest feeling. Just the feeling you had. And it was this hospital was out by where my brother worked at the time, and he's like, "All right, well, why don't we grab lunch after your ultrasound thing?" Yeah. Great. Like I didn't even eat. You know, I just was I left I left there knowing. But that was worse because I'm a healthy 22-year-old who has cancer. Did you know you had cancer or did you you left feeling like I know something's wrong? Or you just I left 100% on gut instinct. Okay. Yeah. That this ultrasound was to figure out if I had cancer. Yeah. To help one of the things, it would be the first step. Um, and maybe it's nothing. And <laughs> I left that appointment, that ultrasound, 
just like a gut punch. Yeah. Like there was nothing that person did, but yet I knew 100%. But that was worse because you don't have a name. You don't know anything about, you don't, you know, you don't realize how many different cancers there are. Yeah. And like I say, well, I only knew old people and, and children mm-hmm. got it. And gee, if a, if a healthy 22 year old gets it, that cannot be good for, for living. Yeah. Like that was scary. Was there, speaking of that, was there a time where you thought, well, I guess I'm just going to die? I mean, briefly. Yeah. So this all happened quite quick, like within a week, like maybe a Monday or a Tuesday was the first um, doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. And then the ultrasound was, let's say, a Wednesday or something. So by that Friday, um, they 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 maybe didn't give me a name, but they said, all right, you're probably looking at a type of lymphoma. So you start to have some names. You start to be able to look some stuff up. Mm-hmm. But that week after that ultrasound was the scariest time because you know nothing about it. Yeah. And you're like, well, if, if a healthy 22-year-old can get it, you don't realize that's that's almost common in with Hodgkin's is that it does uh, show up. Mm-hmm. And people in their teens or twenties, um, but you don't know any of that, and you're like, "Whoa, this this can't be good." Yeah, yeah. So it it was scary for for a week, and then the, you start to get a little bit more information, and and thankfully, Hodgkin's is one of the best treated cancers. Oh, okay. And you know they're most uh, successfully treated. That said, I think there's still people that die from it, but um, even well- 20 years ago, it was. Well treated. What was the treatment for you? Um, it was radiation, and then a few years later, um, I had to deal with it again, and that was chemo. Okay. And um, the radiation, you know, that that's still with me today. That's why that's why I still drink as much water as I do because it it uh, they shot my like chest and my neck and and basically it it was it was brutal. Yeah. Chemo gets, and chemo can be brutal, no doubt, but chemo gets the headlines. People lose their hair, yeah. smoking weed may or may not help. It does. Um, <laughs> right? It gets the headlines. Yeah, yeah. Radiation is brutal. Did you, did you like, was, is it a physical thing you could feel? Um, you feel the effects. No, like you're you're laying on on this this um this bed, mm-hmm. and when I went through it, the, the preparation for the radiation is they they mark your your skin. They give you a little tiny tattoo, and then they use that to laser align your body. Okay. And um and once you're like so with mine, I had this big head mask that keeps your head perfectly still. They line up your body for the lasers, and they shoot you with radiation ah. you don't feel anything after but afterwards the cumulative effects yeah. of my throat was terribly sore and the doctor told me once he's like well you you have a sunburn on the inside oh really yeah wow well i remember working and i feel like you went to the doctor for some throat stuff too um i can't remember for sure but i don't know if, uh i just remember you talking about it and that's probably why where cancer came up too yeah that could be yeah so yeah, I mean it's um so so you had to go th- you had to you went through it and then you had to go through it again. Like after the first time did it tell you like all right, it's you're all good or hey, we're going to 
it's probably going to come back. Mm, no, they don't say probably. Um, and and I was lucky in my cancer diagnosis. I never really had a doctor tell me they don't know what to do next. Okay, that's a, that's got to be a scary conversation, yeah. you know. Like we we don't see this often, and we we think this might work, or we can try this. The benefit of having gone through Hodgkins is they're like, okay, you got Hodgkins. This is what we're gonna do. Right away. Mine was a little different because they thought mine was centrally located. Hey, we could just do this with radiation. Um, oh, okay, you know, and you're you don't know. So radiation is very specific. Like if you have cancer on your knuckle and they shoot your fingertip with radiation, um, it will not affect the cancer that's on your knuckle. Got it. You know, it's very specific. And so perhaps by going through such extensive radiation I went through and the doctor a couple years later was like, yeah, we wouldn't do that again. <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Probably should have brought that other doctor in for that one. <laughs> but um uh oh, so so most likely what happened is is there were some cancer cells outside of what got shot with got radiation. It. And I think it is normal for the course, you go through your treatment and hopefully your body everything's good, as mm-hmm. was the case with me initially. But you do checkups. Yeah. And it was in those checkups where um, you know found another lump outside of the head and neck and chest area. And there again, doctors doing their job saved my life. Yeah. But but it goes back to your first point. Let's say everything happens and you're good and then you lose your job or something happens and you don't have health insurance, you're not doing those checkups anymore. Exactly. You know? Exactly so, right. So during as you're doing these checkups, I would imagine they become routine. You're like, all right, I'm just going in. They're going to tell me. They become yep, very routine. Everything's, That's a good point. Everything's good. And then and then it just smacks you in the face again. Like, wait, what? Wait, what did you say? I was, com- I was coming in just to tell me everything was good. Yeah. No, that's funny that you you picked up on that. That's exactly right. They become routine. You know, you get to see the nurses you're friendly with. And, and uh, the doctor that was in charge of my radiation, um, was fantastic. And I, I was able to keep seeing him through, uh, my checkups, which apparently wasn't quite normal for the way he handled things. Um, you're a little unique walking into that department as like a 20 something. Yeah. Um, and, and that doctor was fantastic. Uh, and he found, you know, my recurrence and, and in a way to touch on, what you were asking, that second diagnosis was tougher than the first. Oh, really? The first is so out of left field. Mm -hmm. You know, what? But the second one, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still in my early mid twenties. Like I'm making plans. I've, I've got things I want to do. Yeah. And, um, uh, boom, this diagnosis happens. And now, because you know that world, you're like, oh, this um, number one is not good, and number two, um, it's at the very least going to completely sideline any life plans yeah. you you thought you were making. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, when it came back? Did you just assume, okay, I'm going to get more radiation, or did they, or or at that point it was like, well, we know what this is, and chemo would work a lot better. Yeah, because chemo is is. In your bloodstream, it's throughout your body. Mm. 
And that's why it affects your hair and it affects your digestive because it attacks fast, fast dividing cells okay. as cancer is. And um, your digestive system apparently has fast dividing cells. Got it. Your hair follicles. That's why those things are kind of, you know, like I say in the headlines. Um, one of these days, and maybe they're getting better at it, um, I remember thinking going through it, like someday they'll be able to like attack the cancer maybe more specifically. Yeah. I guess radiation maybe qualifies for that, but because, um, you know, chemo attacks the whole system. Every, yeah, everything. And and that's what makes the side effects and you know the difficulties. How was it for you? Did you have to? Was it a long chemo process or did it's a couple six of, months? Okay. And again, I was very fortunate where it was like, okay, this is the game plan. All right, you know, because my cancer was again quite commonly treated successfully. Yeah. Um. So uh, one thing with the radiation, I didn't. You don't realize is fatigue is a big thing, and so fatigue is also a big thing with with chemo and and chemo. Um definitely adds up over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still working. Like I, when I initially started, I started in the fall. I was working for this landscape company. And I think my first treatment, I went on a Monday and I was working Tuesday. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And it was every other week and treatment was every other week. So then at, at one point it, it turned, uh, I got treatment on Monday, I was back to work on Tuesday and we were at a job um, not terribly far from my, from my parents. And I turned to the, this guy, Gary, wonderful guy, maybe a bit gruff. Yeah. You've talked about it before. Yeah. Yeah. But wonderful guy. And, um, I was like, Gary, man, you got to take me to my folks. Like, I don't feel well. And maybe it's 1030, yeah. you know, 11, not far from lunchtime. <laughs> and Gary, he knows my situation completely. He turns to me, he's like, can't you make it to lunch? Because <laughs> it would screw up the the, the timing of yeah. doing the work. Yeah, you go lay yeah. in a truck for a while. No, I was like, <laughs> no, dude, you got to get me out of here. And he dropped me off, and I like ran to the bathroom. Yeah, got sick, and then that that kind of, and then it went kind of shut from you down there. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So so really, my treatments were every other week, and it would it would be like kind of a bad week and a good week. Okay. Um. I'm not advertising. I'm just saying it that it was it was a bad week and a good week, and that bad week was getting worse for longer. Okay, like it used to get a little better Wednesday, and well, now it's kind of going into Thursday, and Friday. Yeah, and um, not eating, and to the point the doctor's like, oh, some protein or some blood count was was not where it should be, and it was because I wasn't like ingesting food for. Oh wow four days, five days. Yeah. And um, that all changed with weed. Sure. Um, at like the three-month mark, I was desperate because the doctor presented, your numbers are not great. Um, so either get your numbers up. The best way to do that is like diet and eating. and um, Or we need to reduce your chemo. Yeah. Which now, you know, they designed that stuff to be as as hard of a punch as possible because you know you want to punch the cancer as yep. hard as possible yeah so they dial it in to the person what can that what do we need to do and what can that person tolerate mm-hmm. you know kind of based on whatever maybe 
age and, and well, wellness. Um, so he said, you need to get your numbers up or we got to scale it back. So now this six-month treatment you're dreaming of being done on six months is now going to be seven maybe. Oh, okay. And not only that, it's going to take longer and it's going to be a weaker punch towards the cancer. Yeah. That was at the three-month mark halfway. And it's like, you're like nah. I got I got three months of this. I was desperate. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, look, I'm going to try this. And um, it, you know, it worked amazingly well. It, um, I was on like the maximum dosage of the prescribed anti-nausea medication, uh-huh. um, which had its own side effects. And then I was taking stuff to treat the side effects of the anti-nausea. So I was like taking medicine to... To fight medicine. To, to fight medicine yeah. or to treat the side effects. And that all went away with, with, uh, with marijuana, with weed. Um, I don't know what it does, but it, it doesn't give you an appetite. Mm-hmm. People think, oh, it gives you an appetite. Yeah. You get the munchies. I never had the munchies. I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. Maybe because you're fighting cancer. Well, maybe what, that's why you didn't have the munchies. What it does is it, it makes you feel well enough. Um, when you are healthy and when you feel well, you naturally have an appetite. Okay. Yeah. And it made you feel well enough that that natural occurrence and appetite was able to be there again. Yeah, because you have a cold or the flu, you just you're not going to eat. Yeah. So same thing. If you're just not feeling well in yeah. general, uh, did your doctor know you're doing this? Um, maybe not at first, but yeah. I think after the success of it, um, yeah. I the- mean, and then. I don't know. That was going to be my approach where, uh, like, look, this is, you know, just honesty. Yeah, yeah. By that point, man, you go through you go through surgery or you go through, um, you know, any type of serious treatment, you are poked and prodded enough times and humiliated, yeah. right? Humbled is yeah. a better word. Um, so by that point in the ballgame, it's, it's just honesty. Yeah. Because... There's no mystery about you as a, as a, as a, per, just as, as a, a person, <laughs> as a patient, yeah. you know, as a subject, yeah, as a subject. It, man, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> just be honest. And, um, so yeah, and it was fine. It was, and it was minimal to be honest. My use, my use of, of weed was m- amazingly minimal. Really? I mentioned the weeks were, uh, stretching like Thursday was leading into Friday and mm-hmm. like not eating. Yeah. I mean, ingesting nothing, which I could feel the chemo wearing off, but the fact I hadn't eaten in four days was now its own sort oh, of yeah. hurdle. Yeah, That all went away. I was eating treatment on Monday, um, my own at-home treatment Tuesday morning, yeah. and throughout Tuesday, because that was the worst day yeah. immediately after, and I was eating full meals that Tuesday. Oh wow! Which then made me feel better and stronger by Wednesday. By Wednesday, I was like, I wasn't even smoking weed. It yeah. was a one day usage. Yeah. And it completely changed the trajectory. So I'm sorry. I don't mean to be belaboring that point. No, I no. Um, that's, it, it's it just super surprised important. me. It just surprised me how well it worked. No, and that's. Uh, I mean, everybody knows they. There's a lot of states that have medical marijuana now, and there's there's some states that. You know, have recreational marijuana, so it is becoming a thing of the past, right? Of, of like, oh, don't do that, or you know. And 
Are there issues with it? Sure, there's mm-hmm. issues with it. There's issues with alcohol, right? There's been there's that's been legal for forever. So there's um, there. I think it's important, just like we brought up, you know, insurance stuff. There's there's importance to to being able to um, use it, and especially personally to know as opposed to be like, hey, I know this guy that did it and it worked, but you personally, like, no, I did it. I used it one day, and this is how it completely changed my recovery from it, from cancer, yeah, from chemo. Completely, and I also got to know um, other young people that uh, were were had gone through cancer treatment or mm-hmm. were going through, and there were some that were like, you know what, I'm not comfortable. It's illegal. I'm not going to do yeah. it, and that's fine. And there were others where marijuana played no role in their life pre cancer. Mm-hmm plays no role in their life post-cancer, but it was, it's, it becomes very quickly like, um, this is your life. Yeah. And you want to do the best thing you can to survive it. Mm -hmm. And if this helps that person survive it, um, and is like legitimately, like it helps, it's not harming. Yeah. Then by all means. Yeah. Well, man, that's, uh, We've been here an hour already, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you go. But this is awesome, man. Thanks for coming on here. We didn't even t- talk about some of the stuff I want to talk about. We we mentioned so you have to come back on. But we mentioned. All right, uh, I'll come back on. Yeah, we I, we used to talk about you taking a train out to Oregon. Uh, that seems very interesting to me, and I feel like there might be some stories there. Uh, even just putting yourself back to school, uh, I think is very cool, very interesting. Because uh, some people, just like we talked about early on, like, well, I'm going to go to school and when I'm 18 and be done at 22. And you're like, no, nope, I'm completely changing what I'm doing as a as a job. I uh, didn't talk about any of the bands or drumming or any of that <laughs> stuff. Your tinnitus, you know, any of that stuff. Like, so I would love for you to come back on at some point. We can get to that other stuff. But that, that besides you growing up and, and your backstory, but I wanted to talk about cancer because I think it's a, uh, I don't know if cool story is the right word, but I think it's a, a good story to hear uh, for people to listen to. And for me, you know, I knew you did that. I didn't know all yeah. that information. Yeah. But for selfishly, just for me, I wanted to know more. You yeah, know? no, and and it's um, I mean, it is fairly unique. Like you say, Hodgkin's is fairly common. If you bump into somebody that had cancer in their early twenties, it's likely maybe Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's. Yeah, that's saying it's it's somewhat common in that regard. It's still pretty uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, happy to be here. Yeah. We'll we'll do it again. We'll get into more uh, more fun stuff. I did I did drive I did drive out to Oregon. I didn't take a train. That would have been cool. But uh, I thought you took I thought you took a train. No, I had a oh. mountain bike with me and snowboard and some clothing. So oh, okay, man, I, that... could, I couldn't fit all that on a name track. I don't think. Have you taken a train to far places before? Why is that in my brain? Uh, I I have taken a train. I probably talked about that. Nothing real far, but man, I loved the rhythm of it and the clickety clack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, I could I could have slept so peacefully on on that train. Yeah. if I probably wasn't sitting in a chair. Uh, we we took a train one time to New York, and it was with two kids, and it was the worst experience of my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> no relaxing in that with that entourage. No. All right, Kev, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Lorenzo. Thanks everybody for checking out this episode of the Nerd Ball Podcast. Please rate, v- review, and subscribe. Wherever you're hearing this, on any of the podcatchers, on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We're kind of coming at you two times a week now, audio and video. Check us out on all the social medias. Just search the Nerdball Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, TikTok, we're out there. Uh, Gmail is the nerdballpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email, we'll be happy to get back to you. Thanks to Real JP Multimedia, Cuttlefish Graphics, Perrysburg Junior High STEM Lab, and Big Daddy Graphics for helping out the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.